Thank you so much and happy Easter everybody. Really is great to be together celebrating the death and resurrection of Jesus. Will you join with me as well and let's welcome all those joining us online from around the UK and around the world. Great to have you joining us from wherever you're watching today. Well, I'm sure you've uh, picked up by now that the theme of our service is all about hope. I trust you'd agree in the light of all that we've been going through, that if there's anything we need right now in our own lives and in our world, it's more hope. You agree? We need an upgrade of hope. In the words of that beautiful song earlier, the cry is, let hope arise. The question is, what kind of hope? There are different types of hope. Uh, There's a hope that we often think of that actually is more akin to wishful thinking. Um, You know, we may look at the weather forecast, it looks a bit bad, and we might say, I hope it doesn't rain today. That's wishful thinking. Or after the debacle of uh, the Liverpool-Man City game, I still hope, thank you for your sympathy, I still hope the Man City are going to win some trophies this year. You may say wishful thinking. On a more serious note, we hope, don't we, that the economy will fully recover. We hope that racial injustice will be completely abolished. We hope that COVID-19 will finally be eradicated. And I'm sure right now we're all hoping and hoping that this devastating war in the Ukraine will end quickly and the result will be a peace and a just settlement. We hope these things, don't we? And on a personal front, I'm sure all of us have got hopes, things we're desiring things we're longing to see improve, maybe in our lives or in our uh, circle of family or friends. You know, we hope that health will get better, that our careers will improve, that our relationships will, will get stronger. We hope, I'm sure, that our finances will get in a better position. Now, none of these things are wrong. It's natural for us to have this kind of desire for things to get better. The only problem is with that kind of hope is it's actually uncertain. And the, 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 the issue is that when things don't happen or work out as we had hoped, it can leave us feeling disorientated. It can leave us feeling disappointed and sometimes even utterly devastated. If you're here today or you're watching today, that's where you may feel right now. And I want to say that's fully understandable and God knows that and God cares about that. But the great news about Easter is there is a different kind of hope, far stronger, far more certain, far better than wishful thinking. The Bible definition of hope is the confident joyful expectancy that good is coming. It's not uncertain. It's not, I wish it were so. It's confident, joyful expectancy that good is coming. You find it all the way through the New Testament. And I want to focus today on a few verses in um, uh, Peter's letter, uh, 1 Peter chapter 1. Peter was a leading disciple of Jesus Christ. He was an apostle and he wrote this. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, 
spoil or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. Notice there the the tone of confident, joyful expectancy. It's not uncertain there's something really sure. And I love the reference there, and this is what I want to focus on today. It's not a dead hope, it's not a vain hope, it is living hope that is not something we can generate from ourselves by just sort of positive self-talk. This is something that comes as a gift from God and is somehow made available to us through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And if you look at it carefully, you'll see it's like fully comprehensive hope. It covers our past. It gives us the promise of a great future, but it also helps us in the here and now. So first thing I want to look at is, if you like, the past. The first thing we can see from this passage is that living hope comes from a new beginning. It comes from a new beginning. Talking of new beginnings, some of you know that recently we've had a new beginning in our family with the birth of our first grandson, Toby. How many of you like uh, me to show you a short, recent clip of Toby? Well, here goes. Tiger, do you like sweet potato? <coughs> yes, sweet potato delicious. Sweet potato delicious. Yes. <laughs> I know I'm a besotted granddad, but do you think he's enjoying that? And, and you see, here's, here's somebody re- relatively newborn, and there's a sense of innocence, but also there's a sense of excitement and expectancy. I mean, new experiences is one of his first solid meals, and the first taste of sweet potato. How marvelous is that? And you say, well, how does that apply to our lives? Well, Peter here talks about when somebody becomes a Christian and they put their trust in Jesus and his resurrection, somehow they experience new birth into a living hope. It's a new beginning. It's a new start. I remember when I became a Christian, uh, Easter 1983, and it was like I had my innocence restored, all that I'd done in the, in the wrong in the past, and there was plenty of that, the regret, the shame. It was like when I became a Christian, invited Jesus Christ to come into my life. He forgave me, but he set me free. He filled me with a, a love, a joy, a peace that I'd been looking for in all kinds of other situations and hadn't found it. But along with that came a tremendous new sense of confidence and hope and excitement and expectancy for the future. And that living hope is still living in me today. It's meant that over these last few decades, I've been able to enjoy the sort of the big opportunities in life, but also I've been able to savor the small kind of sweet potato moments. And I believe God wants to do that, not just for some of us, but this is a gift. This new birth into a living hope is something that's available to to all of us. You say, well, how could that be? How can we have a new beginning? And we understand something about natural birth, but how does spiritual birth take place? How can we be forgiven? Well, we need to go back to the big message of Easter. The headline of Easter is that 2,000 years ago, approximately, uh, Jesus Christ died on a cross for our sins on what we know as Good Friday. Now, the reason it was Good Friday is it was good for us. Because on the cross, Jesus took all of our guilt, all of our shame, 
all of everything that was harming us was put on him, all injustice, everything goes on Jesus, taken off us in order that we might be forgiven and set free and have a glorious new beginning. I don't know about you, I've been a Christian now for decades, but I'm still freshly grateful for the wonder of the exchange of the cross, for the amazing price that Jesus paid for us. But of course, the story doesn't end there. We're celebrating, aren't we, that Three days later on Easter, what we know as Easter Sunday, the first Easter, Jesus Christ triumphantly rose from the dead, um, defeating sin and death. Not only is that something that happened 2,000 years ago, but it's something that has the power to change our lives today. Now, I've made some big statements just there, statements about things that have happened in the past concerning the death and resurrection of Jesus. And you may be here or you may be watching and you need to check this out some more. Well, that, that's, that's good. Um, you know, you may need to know, so what's the evidence for this? How do we actually know this historically happened? Well, again, you've already heard it, but we'd strongly recommend Alpha to you. There's a couple of sessions that deal with the cross and then a whole session on the evidence for the resurrection. So commend that to you. But the wonder of the resurrection is not just that it happened, it's historically true, but it has the power to change our lives today. Notice what Peter said. He said, we have new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus. Somehow, when we receive Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes into us, and as it were, we are born again. We are given a brand new start. We are given new life, resurrection life. Now, I know that for some of you, you've never experienced that. And so I'm really looking forward in a few minutes' time to give you an opportunity to pray, uh, a simple prayer, just like I prayed uh, all those years ago, to receive Jesus and to receive that new start. But I'm also conscious today that you know, many people, many of you here are already followers of Jesus. And it may be, though, that right now you feel, well, I've got a bit off track here. I've lost a sense of direction and my hope is really low right now. Well, this is where we can learn from Peter, that the author of the passage we're reading. You see, if you know anything about um, the, the story of Peter, he was somebody who was a devoted follower of Jesus. He was one of his closest followers. But then in the moment of crisis, when Jesus was being tried and was um, under unjust persecution and then eventually died, Peter, in a moment of, I think, what could be described as panic. Do you know fear can make us do silly things? Have you noticed that? Fear can act, cause us to act in ways that later on we can regret. And Peter certainly did something that he would regret. What did he do? He denied three times under interrogation that he even knew Jesus. And you see that just desperate moment in, in the Gospels where Jesus, it says Peter wept bitterly. And I believe at that moment, all he could do was think about the regret and the shame. He was, his only um, view was looking backwards. He lost all sense of hope. That is until Jesus Christ appeared to him. And he forgave him and he restored him. Jesus raised from the dead, gave Peter a brand new start and gave him a new and a living hope. And I believe Jesus wants to do that for many of us today. 
You may feel like, uh, as it were, the fire of your faith or your hope has, has almost gone out. Well, today you can come back to Jesus and you can receive a fresh start, a new beginning, new living hope. Isn't that wonderful? We can all have a new beginning today. But living hope isn't just looking back. Living hope is particularly future orientated. So living hope looks towards a better future. And who of us doesn't want that? <laughs> living hope looks towards a better future. I remember um, for many years as a, as a young boy waking up on Easter Sunday morning and I was filled with real hope had little to do with the true meaning of Easter and everything to do with the fact that as I woke up and started going down the stairs, I knew that sitting waiting for us at the breakfast table would be some wonderful large Easter eggs all round the table. I also had great hope and expectation that every year there'll be lots of mini eggs decked all round our garden ready for our Easter egg hunt, which for me at the time, I have to say, was the highlight of Easter. And there's things about that. Firstly, I wasn't in a kind of a hope so. Oh, I wonder, oh, I hope it will happen. No, no, I just knew. I had a confident expectation that the Easter eggs would be there and I felt joyful about it. But the second thing is, I had nothing to do with those Easter eggs being there. It had all been, they'd all been uh, bought for and prepared by my loving mum and dad. It's like laid out for us. And living hope, Easter hope, is a bit like this. See, it's not wishful thinking. Well, I just hope somehow in, in, in a better future. No, it's a joyful, confident expectation of what's to come. Far more fulfilling and significant than material things. Something that changes our future in this life, but also especially the great hope of Easter is there is a hope beyond this life. Peter puts it this way. I love the message translation of 1 Peter 1. It says, because Jesus was raised from the dead, we've been given a brand new life. That's the new start. And have everything to live for, including a future in heaven. And the future starts now. So this begs the question, is there such a thing as life after death? And if so, what will it be like when we get there? A group of primary school kids were asked, what happens when we die? Here's a few of their answers. First one, you turn into a skeleton. Next one, you turn into sand for a hundred years and you won't come back. Another, everything will be chocolate and marshmallows. Here's another one. You go into the sky and you sit on the stars, but you don't have to because my cat died and she's just in a jar now. And this is my favourite of all. I don't even know. I need to speak to my mum. <laughs> now, I don't know what you think happens when we die. Uh, maybe you believe in a sort of what's known as a simple annihilation. In other words, there's nothing happens when we die. We live, we die, that's it, over. Or maybe you believe in some form of reincarnation, that we will come back, but somehow in another kind of life form. Maybe you believe in spiritism, the idea that we continue to exist in some kind of ghostly form. Or maybe you just believe somehow in heaven and that spiritually, when we die, we're just going to be with God forever and that's it. Well, I want to tell you, the living hope of Easter is far better than all of those alternatives and it's far more sure. You say, how can, how can you be so confident? Because 
we have, if you like, a picture of what life is going to be like through Jesus' resurrection is like a pattern for, for what we're going to experience if we put our trust in him in the future. You see, when Jesus rose again, he didn't just rise spiritually. He wasn't a ghost. They weren't seeing visions. They met the same person who was crucified three days later. They saw the marks in his body. He was the same Jesus physically raised from the dead, but somehow he had a glorious new body that was incorruptible. And that's the promise for every single person, that there's going to come a time when we experience physical death, that when Jesus comes back, we are going to receive new bodies, we're going to live in a real new world, new heavens, new earth, with real people, and it's going to be life somehow like we've always dreamed of here, but somehow far better. It's going to be incredible. It's absolutely amazing. Jesus, listen to the promise. You see, Jesus, if you like, is the only one who can give us true TripAdvisor feedback on that experience. Hence, he said, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And as we may experience, we will experience physical death, but there's going to come a time when we continue to be with Jesus, resurrected in the age to come. Imagine for me, just with me just a moment, you know, a life and living in a world where there's no more sin, sadness, suffering, sickness, or death. Imagine a world without wars, without prisons, hospitals, or cemeteries. The Bible describes when Jesus comes back, it says God is gonna come and he's gonna wipe away every tear. I love that. Do you know there's a whole lot of pain and a whole lot of tears in the world we live, but there's gonna come a time when God is gonna renew everything. He's gonna make all things new. It's gonna be an end to injustice, an end to suffering, an end to pain. What a beautiful, beautiful picture. And then there's a little promise that says that God says he will make all things new. He's even gonna come and he's gonna renew this universe into the glorious place that God always intended without decay, without imperfection. What a living hope. Even death can't stop it. Life, for those who put their faith in Jesus, is not a hopeless end, but it has an endless hope. Living hope comes from a new beginning. It looks towards a better future. But the great thing about living hope, it's not just um, somewhere out there. It impacts our lives right now. Thirdly, living hope gives us a new and a great confidence. Now, I'm not a great sailor. I'm quite a dab hand at punting, so I've done some punting down the river cam. Also done a bit of kayaking and managed to avoid sinking. Uh, and occasionally been out on the open seas and, you know, experienced storms. And one thing I know about storms is that, you know, when you're in the midst of the storm, what you really, really need is an anchor that you can cast over the side. And the purpose of the anchor, or one of the purposes of the anchor, is to hold the ship fast so that it doesn't get blown off course and maybe hit the rocks and the boat and everyone else may get uh, damaged um, in, in the process. And so I love the fact that the early Christians who themselves had their own first century storms, they had pandemics, they had economic catastrophe, and they had famines. 
and they also experienced persecution. And so I think it's very significant that the symbol they chose very often, you see it sometimes on their tombs or on inscribed on walls to express their faith in Jesus, many of them suffering persecution. So they, they chose a symbol that expressed their faith in Christ and it was of an anchor. And very often they'd turn that anchor into a cross. And this is what they were saying in the words of Hebrews chapter 6, verse 19. It says, Therefore we have fled to him from refuge, can have great confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us. That's the future hope. This hope is a strong anchor for our souls. In other words, what they're saying is in the midst of all of our storms, internal and external, we know that our faith and our hope in Jesus acts like an anchor. It secures us. My question to you and me today is, have you got a secure anchor? My experience is, and I'm so glad, even in the past couple of years, that I've got an anchor in my faith and my hope in Jesus Christ. Knowing that holds us steady. I remember when our eldest daughter, Emily, was really small. She, she was in her, her cot at the time. And sometimes she'd wake up crying. We'd go in and she'd, she'd look very distressed and she'd say, noise, noise. I still, to this day, don't know whether the noise was imagined. It was something she'd been dreaming or whether it was she'd literally heard something that had disturbed her. But all it took to quieten her and bring her back to peace was a hug from dad Words of affirmation and reassurance. And then, you know, sometimes in seconds, like the crying stopped, she came to peace, we lay her down and she went back to sleep. Do you know, there's a lot of noise going on right now. Some of you may be very conscious of noise going on around here and here. Inner turmoil, anxieties, fears. There's a lot of noise going on, real stuff that's going on externally that causes us to, to fear, to panic, and to lose heart. But the good news is we have a heavenly Father who's far more powerful and far better than any human and earthly parent who is alive through Jesus Christ by the Holy Spirit. He wants to come. He wants to, as it were, wrap his arms around us spiritually, and he wants to speak words of peace. You see, when you know God is in your life, it acts like a secure anchor. It, it brings us protection and comfort. Peter puts it this way in the verse we were been looking at. He says, this is to Christians, right? He says, through faith, through our trust, you are being shielded by God's power. And then we come to peace. We come to rest on the inside. And I believe that's something we all desperately need. But the great thing about this confidence that we have in the hope that Jesus brings, he doesn't just give us peace, he gives us a tremendous sense of purpose. See, I believe every single person who's ever been born, God's desire is not just that we survive, but that we fulfill our destiny. It's, it's almost as if you and I have a unique a unique track, a unique path. And God wants us to find and discover our purpose in life. He doesn't just want us to make up the numbers. He wants us to make a difference. But what can happen in, in our lives, as it did for Peter, is that we can mess up. Yeah, there's Peter, somebody who had a great calling. He was called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ and he messed up spectacularly. I'm sure at that moment he'd lost all hope. And then when Jesus appeared to him by the Sea of Galilee, 
revealed himself to him. Jesus forgave him, he freed him, he restored him, and he gave him a fresh assignment. And then weeks later, this great failure has become a great founder of the church of Jesus Christ. You know, Jesus specializes in taking people who've messed up and give them a glorious hope and a future. Isn't he amazing? So it doesn't matter what you've done or where you've been. If you'll put your hope in Jesus, he wants to turn your life around. He wants to, as it were, take out hopelessness and despair and disorientation and disappointment out of your life. And he wants to fill you with living hope. And then he wants to walk with you and talk with you and help you so that you can become a bringer of hope to people all around you. Now, before we pray and have an opportunity to receive that living hope, I just want to show you a few uh, stories, 21st century stories, who've put their, uh, people who've put their hope in Jesus Christ. One is of somebody who got baptised last year, and two are of people who are getting baptised this weekend. So, please watch this. I'm Sally. Um, a few years ago, I used to suffer with anxiety and um, hopelessness. During that time, my dad decided to become a Christian and started coming to Kingsgate. I noticed a, a very big change in him. He was so much happier and a lot less stressful. And I think when he um, realised what I was going through, he thought it would be a good idea to invite me. Um, so I started coming along for a few um, Sunday services, which eventually I um, went to Alpha. After um, I did Alpha, uh, decided to become a Christian and I noticed a massive change in myself. When things were going wrong they just didn't seem as bad as what they used to do. I had a lot more confidence in in changing things when I thought oh I couldn't before, I couldn't change that and I used to just give up. I just never thought I'd be able to get through things. I, I really thought that my life was just gonna be sad God's in my life, and there's somebody that I know is behind me all the time and helping me and loving me. Hi, my name is Colin. I grew up in South Africa in a Christian family where we were told to go to church. It had no meaning to me, but we were told to go. Only later in life did I realize what Christianity meant to me. My wife and I immigrated to UK in 1998. I lost my way a bit. I almost lost my family, almost lost everything. My family back home were pushing me to do Alpha. And because I was in a low, low place, I never listened to them. Until one day I said, right, I'm gonna give it a go. I came to Kingsgate, signed up for Alpha, and that changed my life. On Alpha Day, the leaders were praying for me, and I decided to give my life to God then. It was such a moving experience for me, and that's when I knew I'm ready to get baptized. Since then, my friends at work have noticed a huge change in my persona, my demeanor. I'm so much calmer, I listen more. I'm not an aggressive person that I always was. And I don't think that would have happened if Jesus hadn't entered my life. Hi, I'm Annabella, and I always grew up knowing God. He was always part of my life, he was part of my family's life, but I struggled knowing the difference between my family's faith and my faith. Uh, when I turned 13, I developed an eating disorder and it was crippling, it was consuming, it was the only thing I could think about when I woke up, when I went to bed, why I ate, what my weight was, it was 
my whole entire life. And it was about this time last year, actually, that it was the worst it had ever been. And I was just in a really dark place. I was really depressed because of it, because you had no hope. I felt completely hopeless and abandoned. And then I came to church on a Sunday morning and it was just a normal service, but I felt defeated. Like it was, my whole life was just gonna be like this. And I couldn't understand why this was gonna be the rest of my life. And God met with me in a way that is indescribable. Uh, he filled me with a, a peace, I guess, but he shifted something in my mindset that I couldn't have done by myself. Um, and it was from that moment that my eating disorder was a thing of the past, really. Um, I didn't have to struggle with my weight or the way that I looked or how much I ate on a daily basis. Um, and it like he'd taken that burden and I no longer felt alone and um, depressed and like I was battling with something that nobody else understood because he'd taken that from me. And now I know that facing whatever I have, I'm facing it with God and not by myself. And it's been the biggest relief of my life so far. Yeah, it's been amazing. So three great stories of different people and how Jesus has and is changing their lives today. But the great news is, is that Jesus is alive and he wants to come and he wants to meet with every single one of us. Not just me, not just those people. Throughout history, billions of people can say that in some way, Jesus Christ has changed their lives. Thousands just in this one local church over many, many years. And so I want to give an opportunity for all of us, no matter where we're at, as it were, on the spectrum of faith, to receive afresh from Jesus Christ, living hope, a new beginning, great hope for a better future and confidence here and now. For some of you, I know this will be the very first time, maybe the first time you've ever been in church. And just want to say, we're so delighted you came this morning. You may be watching for the very first time. You may be somebody who's been before, but you've never really kind of made that step of faith. I want to tell you, it's the best and the most important decision you can ever, ever make. But also I want to include in this prayer, any of you who may be a little bit like Peter, <laughs> you, you are a follower of Jesus, but some things have happened. Maybe it's fear. You've just felt like you've just drifted. You've lost your direction. And now's the time to come back. <laughs> Jesus wants to turn your failures. He wants to free you. And he wants to give you a new hope and a new purpose and a new future. So why don't we just pray together? I'd like to just imagine we're about to receive the best gift we can possibly receive, because it is. And you do so with a sense of joyful expectation. So you may just want to put out your hands right now. And then what I'm going to do is I'm going to lead us in a prayer to encourage you wherever you're at to pray this. Similar kind of prayer to something I prayed all those decades ago when I became a Christian. We're going to thank God for Jesus. We're going to ask Him to give us a new start, to fill us with living hope. So let's pray together. I'm going to pray a phrase and then you pray after me. Father God, I thank you that through the death and resurrection of Jesus, I can have a new beginning. 
Today, I invite you to come into my life, to forgive me, to free me, to be with me, and to fill me with living hope by your Holy Spirit, in Jesus' Name. Right now, why don't you just take a moment just to receive Jesus Christ, the risen Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Offer your life to Him. Receive that new beginning. In Jesus' name. Amen. Do you know, if you prayed that prayer for the very first time or as a way of recommitting your lives, I'm so excited for you. I just, as we were praying, I just re- remembered, you know, praying a similar prayer all those years ago and just the, the change it brought to my life. But a decision like that, whether it's to recommit or to commit your life to the Lord for the first time, <clears throat> is actually the beginning of a journey. It's not the end of the journey. And so what we want to do here at Kingsgate, part of why we're here is to help you grow in your faith and become all that God uh, wants you to become. So we've got some resources we'd like to give you. Um, we've got um, a New Testament. If you, if you need a copy of uh, part of the Bible to read, we've got a little um, booklet here called Every Day with Jesus for New Christians that will help you read the Bible. Uh, we've got uh, a great new book by Nikki Gumbel, who's the author of um, the Alpha Course called Why Easter, and also with some illustrations by his friend and best-selling artist, Charlie Mackesee. And then we've got a magazine called Hope for All with some great hope stories. And because it's Easter, we've also got one of these for you. So what we'd like to do is after the service, we'd like, we've got a se- section in the atrium where, uh, where these bags are available as a team who'd love to meet with you. Uh, but what I'd like to, us all to do right now is if you'd like to take your uh, notice sheets, you should have one on your seat, hopefully a pen there as well. If the pen doesn't work, nick the person next to you. And, but just wave it to me. Have you, have you got your, got your notice sheet? Fantastic. So what I'd like you to do is just a moment, uh, just turn towards the back. You'll notice there's a little keep in touch section. And if you've prayed that prayer as a way of first time or a recommitment to the Lord, just let us know you've made that decision. And then afterwards, you can tear off the sheet and give it to one of the team and we can get this back to you. But you also notice um, over the page, there's a little kind of uh, area with a big blank section there. It says, Jesus, please be my living hope in the following situations. And about you, but... I'm sure many of us have got situations where we need the living hope of Jesus. Maybe in your life, maybe there's some other people's um, situations. So while other people are writing in uh, details, why don't you just make a little prayer request to the Lord right now. I want to encourage all of us, even if we're members of Kingsgate, to do that. And then just write that in. And then after the baptisms, I'm going to pray for us all. And we're going to, as it were, present these request the Lord. So I'm just going to give you a minute or so just to do that.
Well, if you need a bit more time, continue writing. But now it's the time where we're going to have the baptisms. We've got, uh, we've had 21 people being baptised uh, across our services here in Peterborough. We've got 11 this morning, which is in this service, which is fantastic. Um, you know, baptism is just a great picture of what we've been talking about. You'll see in a moment, you'll see them on the screen. These people are going to be plunged down into the water and brought up again. And it's a picture really of firstly what happened to Jesus. He died, he was buried, and he was raised from the dead. But it's also a picture of what these people have done in following Jesus. They're saying, we're followers of Jesus. He's come into our lives. We have a new beginning. We've died to our old life. Our old life is buried and we have been raised to resurrection life. And we want to celebrate with them. They've already made this decision, but we want to celebrate with them and cheer and shout and basically have a bit of a party here as they testify what Jesus has done in their lives. So would you like just to welcome those who are getting baptized? Would you like to stand? We want to give a big cheer for you. Come on. And then as they come forward, I'd like to invite you to stand. And you'll see a little snapshot of their story on the screen. There'll also be words to the songs we're singing. So why don't we just celebrate together all that Jesus has done in these people's lives. Let's celebrate together. the God who was, we worship the God who is, we worship the God who evermore will be. He opened the prison doors, He parted the raging sea, my God, He holds the victory. There's joy in the house of the Lord, there's joy in the house of the Lord today. Quiet. 
so wonderful to see Jesus changing people's lives. And I'd like us to pray right now. And what, however you came in today and whatever you came in carrying, my prayer is that burdens will be lifted off and that the Lord will come and he will fill us, every single one of us, with fresh Easter love, joy, peace, and a living hope. Maybe you came in and you just been weighed down by disappointment. You've been feeling disorientated, even, even maybe completely devastated. Well, I've got good news. Jesus is alive by the Holy Spirit. He wants to fill us. So again, if you've got your prayer card, you might just want us to lift that up as a sort of way of saying, Lord, I want you to come in and bring hope into this situation, your living hope. 
But I just wanna pray for all of us that through the Holy Spirit, the Lord will come. Fill us and send us out as an Easter people. Come, Lord, we pray. Thank you for the glorious exchange of the cross, the power of your resurrection, and the ever-living presence of your Spirit with us. Pray, Lord, that as we go out of this place, we'll be more conscious than ever of the reality of your presence, strengthening us, securing us, comforting us, empowering us in Jesus' name. I want to just seal this in with a declaration from Romans 15 verse 13. So may the God of hope fill us all with all joy and peace as we trust in Him so that we may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Isn't God wonderful? Isn't God amazing?